have the privilege of kicking off a brand new series for us here called Living the Dream. And uh, in this series, we're really going to be working through what I think is uh, one of the most incredible, inspirational accounts in all of Scripture. And uh, it's actually, we're going to do a deep dive in the life of this guy named Joseph. And we're going to do that through the Genesis account, uh, which we find as the first book of the Old Testament. And uh, I, I love the title, Living the Dream, and chances are you've, you've probably said it or you heard it. and may, maybe, you've never, maybe you've never said it. That same phrase is somebody else, but you get it, right? It's, it's the phrase that we use when we feel like life is going well, right? When, when, when we pass the, uh, the midterm, when we, you know, get off work early, when we uh, finally get something that tastes good from chow, you know, like, um, seriously, when, when we're hanging out on vacation, you kind of put your feet up and you're like, man, you know, man, life just is so great. I'm living the dream. It's the phrase when we hear when somebody has nothing to complain about, right? It's when all things you want or hope for is as you want them to be. Living the dream. But if you know anything about Joseph's story, you know that God gives him a dream, kind of a glimpse of what he's going to do in the life of Joseph. But his journey is marked with one setback after another. And every time you think, oh, it can't possibly get any worse, it gets cray cray. I mean, this story is bananas. One thing, one setback after the other. Joseph's life is, is really an extraordinary one, but it's also one that, that I think is a relatable one to us because the story of Joseph is about dreams, unmet expectations, the sovereignty of God intersecting with the struggle of real life. Joseph's story is how God honors uncompromising integrity that will cost you something. This story is how God is able to redeem anything, redeem anything no matter how bad it is. And use it for good. In Joseph's story, we find how, how God uses setbacks and suffering and difficulties to prepare us for the purposes that he has for our life. And the truth is, um, for those of you that may, maybe you kind of heard about this, this J Joseph guy, this story. Hey, isn't it the guy that kind of wore that interesting uh, you know, coat or he had some weird brothers or is, he's, is he the dream guy? Some of you know pieces of the story. Some of you grew up, maybe if you went to church, you heard of this story. But in so many ways, it's a story about really about you and me. Because I think all, this, all of us here, we, we've got hopes and dreams, Right? And some of you, you would say, hey, yeah, not only do I have hopes and dreams, I actually feel like God has birthed in me a hope, a dream, a desire to do something great with my life. You carry around those God-given dreams. And then sometimes, though, you might find yourself stuck and frustrated because you feel like, man, I'm so far from that actually coming true. And so I don't, I don't need to tell you this. No one really needed to tell you this, you know, before tonight, that life is full and filled of setbacks. I mean, for some of you, uh, you kind of launched into college and you're like, hey, I know, I know the career that I want. I want to maybe be a doctor or a nurse. And you start taking the classes. It doesn't really get out or it doesn't really work out. You don't get into nursing school, which is, I know is a big deal. And you're like, oh man, this is lame. Now I got to figure out what else I'm going to do with my life. Setback. 
Some of you in relationships, maybe you, you dated uh, somebody all through high school and you started dreaming of like, hey, I think that, I mean, I know I'm like 16, 17, 18 in high school, but this person just seems to be, you know, the one of my dreams. And then college happens and then things start to go down. And unfortunately, you know, he might cheat on you or, or she might cheat on you or, or something blows up the relationship. And then what you thought was like, hey, this was my dream person, dream scenario goes away setback. And for some of you, um, and, I, and I don't mean anything by this because I'm a massive fan of the University of North Georgia, but some of you had a dream school picked out. You had a, you had a, you're on your number one list, you know, maybe even your second or third choice. You're like, hey, these are where I want to go. I'm really looking forward to that campus life. This is what I feel like, you know, I can afford. And this is, this is my dream. And then you find yourself maybe at your backup school. Again, setback. Now, and, and if we're honest, like, I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing a series like this is because if we're honest, all of 2020 has been one setback after another, right? I mean, I feel so bad for a lot of you who are freshmen. The way that you ended your senior years in high school, the way that you started this year, so redonkulous, just weird, wacky, and I feel for you in that. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of your, your, your parents have lost jobs. You've struggled financially for the very the first time in your life. And so you're just, you're going through setback after setback. So there's just a laundry list of the disappointments in 2020. And I just want to say as a, as a side note, as I'm really kind of thinking through this message, like, hey, I want to say, hey, even if you would tell yourself or even if you would say, hey, yeah, I am a Jesus follower and you want to pursue God-sized dreams in your life, you will also experience setbacks. And I say that because I have the privilege of be hanging out with college-age friends for who knows now how long. And one of the things that I see with people who might have uh, a fragile faith, maybe just a new faith, they think, hey, okay, well, I've got this God-sized dream and uh uh-oh, you know, the fit hits the sham and it, it doesn't really work out and what, what am I supposed to do? And then all of a sudden, that faith that is very either new or fragile goes away. And so all of a sudden, this setback because you thought, oh, well, because I'm a Christian, nothing bad is going to happen to me because God's got me and so I, I'm not gonna struggle. Well, I mention that because, hey, Christian or non-Christian, setbacks are a reality of life. And so in this series, we're going to talk about those types of questions. And because I know maybe for some of your stories, and maybe you know people who, yeah, setbacks and difficulty happened to where it started rocking their belief system, their worldview, and they hit the eject button out of faith because they thought, man, I just thought I had this dream that God was going to do this and it didn't happen. So, hey, thanks, but no thanks, God. So we're going to explore those types of questions like, hey, what do you cling to? in the midst of a setback? What, what happens to your faith in the midst of a setback? What happens to the dreams that you have when you experience any type of setback? And so tonight is really just a, a launch into uh, this series. And, and I would say I would strongly recommend you coming back for the entire series. It's going to be a four-weeker. And tonight will just be honestly a taste, an appetizer of what I think this series is going to hold for you and for me through this phenomenal storyline of Joseph 
And so we're going to pick up tonight in um, Genesis chapter uh, 37. But before then, I want to give you a little bit of historical context um, to where we kind of we, we find ourselves. You see, God, um, he makes a promise to Abraham, this guy Abraham. And he says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you... Um, and I'm going to bless you and your descendants uh, forever. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And that nation would be called Israel. You've, you've probably heard of this, but Israel was not established at that point. And so here's the deal. It's a, it's a big deal that God is saying this to Abraham. Well, then Abraham and his wife, Sarah, have a child. Okay, his, na- his name is Isaac. Now, some of you might know the story that Sarah had this child, Isaac, at age 90. 90. So two 90-year-olds having a baby, that, <laughs> you should read your Bible because that is bananas. So Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac then has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob then has 12 sons, which one of which is Joseph, by the way. And all of them are going to kind of given this specific purpose to kind of be heads of what's called the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, don't get lost in all this stuff because this is just important as the series develops of how big of a deal this is and what God is writing through this story. So God really wanted to get the nation of Israel to Egypt. And so he has this specific purpose and plan through Joseph that he wants to get, again, help Israel get get to Egypt under, excuse me, under favorable conditions where they can grow into a nation. So it's, there's a lot more that's happening behind the scenes, but I just want to at least give you that context before we jump right in. So we've got Joseph, son of Abraham. Last thing I'll say before we hop in. Around this time, God actually changes Jacob's name to Israel. Pretty crazy, but it's the truth. So God changes uh, Jacob's uh, name, excuse me, uh, Jacob's uh, name to Israel. So we're going to hop into Genesis 37. And this is what it says. We're going to put it up here on the screen. Um, We're going to actually have a lot of of scripture tonight because, again, we just wanted to tell you um, how the story uh, is unfolded. So here it is. Now Israel, again, also known Jacob, okay? This is uh, Joseph's dad. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to, uh, to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, I don't know um, uh, a lot of your stories. Um, Several of you I know have siblings. Um, I have a sibling. I have a younger sister. Her name's Kylie. She's amazing. Uh, Growing up, I mean, did did I hate her? Um, Maybe strongly dislike uh, would probably be a phrase, and that's a little bit of an inside joke between Meg and Santander, but um, I just, I could tell that she was my parents' favorite, because as the oldest, I was just a trial run, okay? They jacked me up and were like, we can't do this again, and so they gave a lot of opportunities, and I, I, I obviously was way more difficult than my sister, and so she really had the affection of my parents. Did I happen to get a car paid for when I was in high school? No. Did I drive my dad's van and rode it all the way to Singletown? Yes. But yet my sister gets the car. Now, mind you, it was, it was an old Honda Accord, but hey, it still, it still had wheels and she didn't have to pay for it. All that to say, I kind of relate a little bit to the bros here who are like, man, I don't understand why, you know, 
dad is given all sorts of favoritism here. And honestly, I don't even think it's really Joseph's fault that much because, again, the dad is so obviously saying, hey, he's my favorite, okay? So sometimes when you hear people talking about that story, they're like, oh, Jacob was the youngest. Well, if you want to be technical about it, I mean, he was the 11th out of 12, so he wasn't the youngest, but he absolutely was the favorite. And his father did not hide it either. Didn't hide it at all. He, he gave him this baller robe that symbolized the favor that he had in Joseph. And so uh, the story continues, and we're told that Joseph has two dreams. Now, some of you, maybe you've heard this aspect, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of um, uh, summarize it. So dream one, he, he told his brothers that he had this dream. So he kind of goes to his, his bros, and he's like, hey, so I had this dream. So check this out. Um, I had this dream that we're all kind of having these bundles of wheat, all right? So I just want you to picture all of these guys carrying these bundles of wheat. And then he says, um, well, in this dream, um, this, the bundle that I had just kind of stands straight up, all right? And then the bundles that you had, brothers, just started bowing down to my bundle. So they're like, okay, interesting. Dream two, he says, oh, well, I, well that's not it. I had another dream. Um, where uh, the sun and the moon and these 11 stars, by the way, you know, if you can kind of do the math, uh, 12 brothers, 12 sons, um, these 11 stars, i.e. his brothers, okay, yes, there's, there's this dream that the sun, the moon, 11 stars, um, they bowed down to me too. And so again, his brothers are like, what? <laughs> Who is this guy? And so here's the thing though, what I, what I think is fascinating. Already at this point, uh, God is starting to give us a, a glimpse of the end of the story right at the beginning, okay? Because God obviously chose Joseph to rule. But Joseph didn't really, he didn't understand that at that point. And so again, he's naively like telling his brothers this, you know, about this dream um, that, you know, he's kind of trying to figure it out. He didn't really interpret it yet because um, I don't really think he flaunted it. I mean, honestly, I don't think he flaunted it to them. But I, I don't think it was out of this arrogance either. I think it was just like, hey, I'm going to tell my brothers what I, what I dreamed about, you know? And so the crazy thing is, if you think about it, his brothers, they're already jealous, right? I mean, just think if you, if you had a sibling and your parents are like, they're asked the question, you know, like, well, who's your, who's your favorite kid? Well, I'm not going to sit Kylie, you know, like, that's my sister's name, deep wound. Um, it's so obvious and they're so bothered by that. And then they're like, well, to top it all off, he's sitting there telling us that he's, he's dreaming that he's going to rule over us too. So they just start having a super hard time with that. And, and their thoughts obviously go to just crazy ideas. All right. So one day the brothers, they're out in the fields, they're working the fields. Um, Jacob says to Joseph, hey, can you go check and see where your brothers are, see what they're doing? And he's like, yeah, sure, I can go do that. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story again. Now just picture it again, brothers out in the field, pissed off that they've got this brother who's like, oh, well, he's the object of affection for my dad. And then now he's saying he's going to rule over us. And then they just start again going like, what can we do about this? Here's where we go. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Now I'll stop there. Like, I don't, I don't know if you thought that's where the story was going to turn, but I told you it's, it's crazy. 
You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, let's, let's just not talk to him. Let's not return his texts. Let's, you know, let's ghost him a little bit. No, they're like, let's kill him. So let's kill him. Then we see this. When Reuben heard this, this is another one of his brothers. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Hey, let's, let's not take his life, guys. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. So the cool thing is, like, there's at least one kind of nice brother. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So you get the picture, all right? Um, very troubling scene. This guy, Joseph, who really hasn't done anything. He, he, he didn't say, hey, Dad, I want you to, to make sure that I'm your favorite. He, did, he didn't really do anything. He, he was innocent of that. And then he has these dreams, like he's, he's not in control of those dreams, and he's just sharing them because it's like you, you share life with your siblings, and they just can't take it. And so what they do is they, they take off the robe, which is a big, huge, meaningful symbol. Again, we're, you're no longer going to be dad's favorite. You're no longer going to be in our life. And so they, they obviously kicked him into this sister. Story continues. Judah another one of the brothers, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's, let, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So I love this, and I, and I, I kind of, again, have a more of a, a comedy-type brain, and so I'm just like, this dude is like, guys, guys, wait, pump the brakes. This is our brother. We can't kill him. Let's send him to slavery. Which I honestly think would be worse. And so that's part of that story. They, they sent him to slavery and the brother's like, yeah, great idea. We don't have to send him, you know, we don't have to send him anymore. We know that's probably going to happen to him. As eventually he's going to die. No more Joseph. This is going to be fantastic. His brothers agreed. So, when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, understatement. Obviously, massive deal to be sold into slavery. But 20 shekels in today's money would be $200. You spend more on Starbucks, I spend more on <clears throat> fruit snacks, peanut butter M&Ms, you know? We spend $200, you know, like that. They sold his brother into slavery for $200, which I think is crazy. Joseph's brothers then go back to their father. Okay, the story picks up. They, Joseph's brothers go back to his father and they start to be like, all right, well, we, we got his robe that's kind of ripped and teared and they find some animal's blood that kind of just to try to, again, convince the dad that like, well, he got attacked by this ferocious being and they kind of put some of the blood on it just to make sure. It's like, oh, this is really going to be the story that we tell. And so they come back and the dad immediately, Jacob immediately identifies his son's robe and he loses it says in the text that he, he tears his garment. 
out of just sheer anguish and frustration, disappointment, despair, because he had lost his son. And so he, he, he immediately is like, guys, get out, because he just, he couldn't take the pain and the torment that he was experiencing. And so his brothers are like, man, I, I, I think it worked. I think, I, I think, hey, his story's over, right? I mean, we got rid of him. And so I kind of picture them maybe high-fiving, you know, chest bump, like, dude, we're, we're never going to see this guy again. He's going to die. We never have to worry about it. I, the story's definitely over. The story's definitely over. But it's not over. Because as we see in 37, verse 36, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, which is a big deal. And you'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more as the series unfolds. But the brothers thought, hey, we killed him and we killed his dream. We thought they got, got rid of him forever, but God actually took their evil acts, redeemed it for good, and put Joseph on his way to Egypt where he would eventually become the second in command under Pharaoh and then become one of the most powerful human beings on the planet. So here's the deal. Here's the big takeaway that, that I want to talk about just for a little bit. It's the takeaway that, that I want you to process through this entire series, and it's, it's one that we see from time and time again, especially in Joseph's life, and that is the setback was a setup. The setback was actually a setup for what God was going to do. God had chosen Joseph for a unique purpose. He's going to use Joseph in such a mighty way, which again, we'll talk about in weeks two, three, and four. And the setback is the vehicle that God used to set up what he was actually going to do. The setback was a setup. And what I think is crazy ironic about this, and some of you know the story, is is that while Jesus was, or excuse me, while Joseph was in the pit, while his brothers were, were probably counting the 20 shekels of silver they, they got for selling him into slavery, Jesus was actually living out this dream. That in the midst of the worst time in his life, Joseph was living the dream because he was on his way to the destiny that God had before him. He was on his way to fulfill the purpose that God had for his life. And what God would ultimately do through Joseph's life was amazing. But getting there was brutal. And I know you've experienced that before in your stories. I've experienced that in my story. But one thing I think it's important to note, did, did God cause his brothers to sell Joseph into slavery? No. His brothers were dirtbags. They were evil. But God redeemed it for good. Now, I, I want to be clear with this as well. I'm not saying that, that every time you experience a setback, it's because God is about to make you second command of some country. There's going to be some massive promotion heading your way or some massive thing on the other side of this setback. I don't know what God is going to do uh, for sure in your life, but I do know that God will use the setback to set up whatever he wants to do in and through your life. And so how I want to land the plane tonight is really just to share three observations. Three observations that, 
that I've had from just being in this text and, and paying attention to Joseph's story for a little bit, three observations. The first is you don't have to have clarity about the setup. You just have to have faith God is with you in the setback. You don't have to have clarity about the setup. You just have to have faith God is with you in the setback. So Joseph got this dream from God, but he didn't know what it fully meant. He didn't really have a clue. Had he known for sure, I think he would have had been tempted. There would really, really be no reason for him to have faith in the midst of all of the crazy things that were going on. Yet the thing that we'll find and that you will find in the rest of his story is that Joseph, he never, ever left his faith in God. He never wavered. And we also saw that God never left Joseph. The second thing is you, you learn more. The second observation is you learn more about your faith when things are hard than when they are easy. Very simple, very basic. You've, you've probably heard something like that before. You've heard it said like, hey, challenges equate to growth. Maybe you've even uttered with your own lips, man, that was so stinking hard what I had to go through. And honestly, I probably wouldn't want to go through it again. But man, look where it brought me. Or man, look where I am now. You've probably said that before, thought that before, known somebody who would say something like that, think that way. You learn more about your faith when things are hard than when they are easy. And we all know that if we were dead straight honest, we just want our lives to be without pain, without suffering, without hardship. We just do. But that's not how our faith has grown. Last is this. God will waste nothing in your life. Looking at Joseph's story, God wasted nothing and none of these events or circumstances in his life. When I was in um, college uh, a few years ago, um, I've shared with you a couple times some stories, some fun stories about uh, me and my roommates. And um, there was uh, a season to where, uh, well, let's be honest, it was all the time. We, we had no money. Well, we were just kind of like, well, we're, we're living off mac and cheese, boxes of cereal, ramen, you know the drill. And one night, one of my roommates and I, Brad, were like, all right, let's figure out what we're having for dinner tonight. And so we're kind of going through um, the cabinets and not, I'm not really seeing anything. And I go through the refrigerator. And I'm like, whew, gosh, when was the last time we cleaned this? And I'm pulling out stuff that's old. I'm about to throw away some salad dressing, okay, that I didn't use, that I didn't eat, whatever. I'm about to toss it. And he's like, whoa, 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 huh? Save that because I'm probably going to use it for whatever pasta I make tonight. We had a little small box of like the, the spaghetti noodle pasta left. And so sure enough, Brad, um, you know, a.k.a. Paula Dean is like whipping something up. And it was delicious. And I was about to throw it away. I was about to waste it. A couple weeks go by, similar situation. We're clearing out, seeing what on earth we have left to eat. I see kind of like a half-eaten box of graham crackers. And I'm like, well, no one really eats graham crackers except for when they're at a, you know, a bonfire eating the s'mores thing. So I don't eat them. I'm going to toss them. He's like, hey, man, like this is, this is all true. He's like, hey, you, we could eat it for cereal. I'm like, you're psycho. Um, but truth, the next morning, okay, that's really all we had. Crump it up, you know, crumple it up, throw it in the bowl, pour some milk on it. It, it was great. It was like a junior varsity, like cinnamon toast crunch. Um, <laughs> very soggy, but it was great. 
Okay? It was great. So here's my point in a silly way, is that God will waste nothing in your life to grow you, to develop you, to stretch you, and to ultimately lead you to what he wants you to experience. And so I just want us to think about, hey, what, what if we stopped focusing on what is happening to us and started paying attention to what God might be doing in us? What if we stopped paying attention to all the hardships and the setbacks that's happening to us and started paying attention to what God wants to do through us? What if, what if in the midst of whatever setback, we stopped and asked, hey, how, how can I learn? What can I learn from this? How, how can I grow or, or how can I share or help somebody because of what I'm going through? And, and friends, I, I'm telling you that I've seen it time and time again in my life and so many of my friends' life, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that God has something amazing for you. He's got a work he wants to do in you. He's got a work that he wants to do through you. And, he wants, and he's got this dream that he wants to see come to fruition in your life. So what if we let this series kind of help shift our perspective and we remember that, hey, even when it gets ridiculously hard, and I'm sure if I knew some of the setbacks in your life, I'd be like, man, I, that is really hard. But even when it gets ridiculously hard, that the setback is a setup. And then I might not know what the setup is, but I'm believing that God wastes nothing. And even when I don't see it, He's working. He's working. 